Welcome to Hidden Secrets to Health with Christina Cole. When you realize that each and every lifestyle choice you make generally has a direct effect on your health, wouldn't you want to influence that outcome? On this program, you'll learn how to uncover the secrets that your body tells you and learn how even small lifestyle changes can mean big rewards with your health. And now, here's your host, Christina Cole. Welcome to Hidden Secrets to Health. I am Christina Cole, your host. I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and certified health coach. And the purpose of the Hidden Secrets to Health is to really help the average person uncover different ways of healing modalities beyond um, what you see in commercials and what you get a lot of times in a Western practice. And so today, I'm super excited to have Dr. Christine Burke on with us today. She is a Western practitioner who has incorporated functional medicine into her practice. And that's my favorite method of healing because it really brings in the brilliance of these two different modalities. So I'm super honored to have you on the line. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Burke. Thank you, Christina. It's wonderful to be here. So you started off doing Western medicine, and I'd really like to um, expand on how long you were doing that before you found functional medicine. So I had, as soon as I left residency, I went into private practice, and I grew a really a pretty large family medicine practice, had about 8,000 patients, had five providers And um, we were doing everything the way that we had been taught. We were doing all of the preventive testing. We were following all of the practice guidelines. And what I noticed over about 15 years is that many of those people who'd been with me that whole time, they weren't getting healthier. Their health was actually declining. Mm -hmm. And we were diagnosing things, chronic diseases, like we were diagnosing high blood pressure and high cholesterol and type 2 diabetes and dementia and all of those people, most of them anyway, did what I asked them to do, but their, but their health just continued to decline. And our approach was just to add more medications to try to prop mm. things up. <clears throat> so I started feeling like there had to be a better way to do things. And I started looking for that. And I was at a conference on bioidentical hormones, and I happened to be seated next to this other doctor at lunchtime. And he was talking about All of those things that I'd been craving that weren't a part of my Western training, things he was able to offer his patients, natural healing methods, Mm -hmm. and the results that he was getting, and then also looking for root causes for disease, which is something else that I felt like I was missing. And so I stopped him and I said, hang on, where do I go to learn what you know? And he said, I think you want to look into the Institute for Functional Medicine. And that was how I started my retraining into the specialty of functional medicine. That's amazing. And what a gift to your clients because, you know, when your patients are coming in and you're seeing this, um, I think there's probably a lot of practitioners out there who are frustrated because they are doing all the things that they've been taught to do. And it's not working, right? And we're, we have this chronic health condition. And it used to be that we would have um, relatively good health. And then maybe we would have something that was like a cardiac arrest or something serious that happened, right? But now it's like we have this creeping illness. And 
And so you went to functional medicine, you went to IFM. How long ago was that? And how has your practice changed since incorporating that? So I started learning about functional and integrative medicine about a decade ago. And I was certified in functional medicine about four years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing principles of that for the better part of a decade. And it's definitely evolved. It's an interesting thing. And I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. It's like the more you start to, to dig back into our physiology and our biochemistry, which is really critically important to understanding the root causes of these chronic illnesses and particularly more complex chronic illnesses, the more you dig into that, the more you realize you don't know or <laughs> that we collectively don't know. Yeah. Whereas before it felt really comfortable. I felt like I really had a handle on what it was that I was supposed to be doing and how I managed different things. So that kind of turns things upside down when you realize the incredible complexity of the body and that we end up in this very superficial zone of diagnosis and symptom suppression mm -hmm. so often, particularly with chronic disease. Yeah, it's so true. It's like that ball of yarn, right? You pull the string and like these other things come out and you're like, wait, no, okay. And so you almost are like, all right, well, let's, well, we're going to keep moving in this direction, but now I'm going to go over here and do this research about something else that's happening um, because it is, everyone's different. And um, one of the things that I do share with people when I do a talk is you could have 10 people in a room and they could all have the same quote unquote symptoms. But the reason that they have those symptoms could be different for every single person. And so it's that unraveling process is, you know, that's really the basis of functional medicine is teaching people how to start pulling on the string and unraveling. And then there's, there's also a method to the healing process, right? Like you can't just throw a dart at one of these symptoms and figure that must be the root cause. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's so true. And I think that stems oftentimes from our perspective that we have in conventional medicine, where we've developed, you know, really starting with the antibiotic era, this magic bullet thinking that mm -hmm. and we're always looking for that next, you know, silver bullet, the next drug that's going to fix whatever ails us. And that works for acute illnesses. But when we apply that to complex chronic illness, what we find is that it's not enough and it and it stems back from what exactly what you just said that each of these things although the expression may be diabetes the root causes can be varied and usually are not just one thing it's not just this exposure or this food choice causes this illness it's this plus this plus this plus this ends up being that illness in that person. And so the process of unraveling is much more complex than you just need to find the one thing that you're that you're doing wrong. And I think that's why so often people end up frustrated is that they'll put a lot of effort into doing, you know, the thing that they think they need to do. Let's say, you know, taking gluten out of their diet, for example. Right. And they, and they see improvement, but they don't get well. And then they get frustrated because they can't quite get over, you know, over that threshold where they really feel like they're finding true healing. And it's because that whole process is just more complicated than that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because 
I do feel like I just see in my sphere of, of people that um, people become either very stubborn or, or that this is going to work and this is what I'm doing and I've worked with this person and this is it. Or they're really resistant and it's like, no, you know, and we, we are trained for the magic pill, right? And everyone has one. There's so many magic pills out there. It's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, right. And so it's a little bit of a combination because I know sometimes my struggle is people not wanting to make their lifestyle changes. Like if you really want to feel better, you have to make real lifestyle changes and they really, they want that magic pill. So what do you do with those people? Yeah, that is a really challenging piece of it. And I think, you know, part of it comes from how we've really all been trained and conditioned that the medication is going to be the thing that fixes us. And so we come to the doctor, we come to our healthcare practitioner with the idea that they are going to do something for us. Mm -hmm. And in functional medicine, it's really much more of a partnership. Our role as providers is to help identify the root causes and figure out what we need to do to unravel those. But the real work is in the hands of the patient. And they have to be willing to change the things, change the reasons that they ended up with the imbalances in their physiology or imbalances in their biochemistry that ultimately led to the development of this disease they have to be willing to go back and change those things. And that can be a process. So we, you know, we evaluate people for a thing that I'm sure you're familiar with called therapeutic readiness to change. Yeah. How, how willing are you to make changes in your lifestyle? Because that informs our treatment decisions. Because if someone's at a place where they're really not ready to do that, then you're working on, you know, building rapport with them and, and helping them to see maybe what they might want differently from their life instead of just focusing on, okay, we need to transform this illness or we need to transform your behaviors if they're not ready. So right. assessing that's that really, it's really a key part. And so I know you guys, cause you have a practice with Dr. Mark Holthouse that you utilize health coaches to sort of pave that way. So how do you integrate health coaches into your practice to make it the most beneficial for your clients? Oh my gosh, health coaches are so key. It's absolutely integral to the to the practice of functional medicine or even just lifestyle medicine, which is a core, you know, the core foundation of, of functional medicine. So we utilize the health coaches to help people with compliance with the treatment plan, to help them to navigate implementing changes into their lifestyle. So we talked earlier about a gluten-free diet. That's a very you know popular, trendy thing right now for a lot of reasons, and mm-hmm. it helps a lot of people. But learning how to do that is, is a process, and people will run into obstacles. They have to go out for client dinner meetings or you know whatever the situation may be, and the health coach can help them figure out strategies for navigating that. They can help them when they're stuck in their behavior change, or they're stuck in a certain pattern of behavior or relationship patterns Mm -hmm. that interfere with their ability to incorporate change. And sometimes that's relationships with other people. Sometimes that's relationships with food. And sometimes that's relationships within themselves, things that they they don't value their own health 
or they're the caregiver in the family and they're always giving and taking care of everyone else and they put themselves last. And that works for a while, but then when that person's health starts to be compromised and they need to be the one that's prioritized, they don't know how to do that. So the health coach's role is so multi-layered in all of the pieces of helping people with behavior change. And then also identifying healthy, healthy sleep. How do you create an environment that allows you to have healthy sleep? And what are the barriers to that? And exercise. How do you start to implement exercise in your lifestyle or movement, as we like to call it, because right. a lot of people find exercise to be a bad word. Um, just moving your That's body. True. How do we want to start doing that? And then the food piece we talked about and stress management. And a lot of times people are resi really resistant to the concept of stress management because they look at it as the external forces of right. stress in their life, right? Like yep. I can't control that my job is super stressful. Mm -hmm. And our response to that is you're right to some extent, but let's, you know, we'll accept that at face value. So now what do we need to do? What do we need to teach you so that you can transform the way that that stress impacts your physiology? Because in the end, that's what we need to do. You don't have to live a stress-free life but you certainly have to be able to transform the impact of that stress on your body. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's you kind of went through what, um, as an FDN, we call the dress protocol, which is diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplements, which we haven't talked about that yet. But that's sort of, you know, that's sort of that, that five key things that you need to do um, to make changes. And I think it's really interesting that you bring up the various ways that stress impacts you because, I've been asked that question a lot of times. Like, are you going to fix my stress? Like, you know, like that, you know, like stress just is coming at me and I'm just, you know, like trying to hold it off. And so you always think that's interesting because stress comes in a variety of different ways, right? Like you can have um, physical stress. So maybe you need to see a chiropractor because maybe you're having, you know, biomechanical stress or maybe you're having a biochemical stress, which is what we work with in functional medicine, but maybe you're having like existential stress, or maybe you're having emotional stress, and how we process those stresses really dictates whether or not we're going to be able to get well, because stress, I think, is what I think 80% of all doctor visits are stress-related. That's a huge amount. And so often, you know, that's a really big number, but how many people come into us recognizing that stress plays a huge role in their, in their symptom complex or in their disease. So there's a big chasm that we have to navigate there. And it's, and it's tricky too, because a lot of people have become frustrated with conventional medicine because often they end up being told that it's all in their head yeah. or that, you know, there's nothing wrong with them when they know in their heart and in their body that something's not right or things aren't, aren't working the way that they should. And so we really have a delicate dance as functional medicine practitioners in, in, bridging the difference between saying something is all in your head as, as, a, as kind of a way of dismissing it mm -hmm. and saying the impact of how you process your experiences impacts your health, which is a really, really different thing. Totally. Yeah, that's a really great description because I do think, and I know people who have you know, they, they end up with adrenal fatigue, which we don't really use that term anymore, right? But it's still, I think it's mainstream enough where most people understand what that means. And it's kind of like you're, 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 
being told, okay, there's nothing wrong with you, but you should probably go get in bed and stay there for a month because your body (laughs) is completely exhausted and it's not functioning anymore. And so it's this weird thing, right? Like it's all in your head, but you need to take a break as well because you're, you're debilitated. Um, What makes me sad is when the best answer is maybe for someone to just go to bed literally and stay there and let their bodies recuperate. And instead they're given like a, um, antidepressant. Yes. Which happens a lot. A lot, a lot. And so often I find that because as a conventional physician, you're really trained that your toolkit is predominantly medications Mm -hmm. and surgery. And so, so much of what we do focuses around identifying whether or not something warrants one of those interventions. And so we're always you know, and, and we want to help people. Yeah. So if someone comes in and they they have, you know, some constellation of symptoms that have been unresolved and none of the conventional testing identifies a disease, the doctor wants to help and they want to give them something to help them. But really what we need to do oftentimes is help them identify what they need to get rid of, yeah. whether that's toxic foods in their in their diet or toxic people in their life or it's um it's unmanaged stress or it's these unhealthy patterns of stress response that we're talking about and so the medication is is given as a band-aid but we're we, we, we forget to look upstream and try to identify where did this tsunami come from Absolutely. Yeah. Um, It's an interesting cascade. And one of the things that I really want to talk about when we come back from the break is going to be the transition you have seen in your practice since bringing in functional medicine. I'd love to give people a glimpse of what that really looks like, because I think um, it's an uplifting experience for you as a doctor because now you have these other tools in your toolkit, but also you are like seeing clients walk out the door feeling better than they probably have in 10 years or maybe ever. I mean, that's one of the things, right? Maybe this is the first time they're ever feeling good. And that just makes the biggest difference. Um, So I, you know, that, and, and I also am curious to know something that you tell your clients, like, Every every day, every day, you probably have a mantra <laughs> that you know you say to someone. So once we come back from our break, then um, those are two top questions I have for you. Those are really great topics too. I have a lot to tell you about on those. Okay, good. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in to The Wellness Connection for the latest and most comprehensive information about health and wellness topics. From natural health and green living to regulation, political views, and legislation. 
each week, hosts Peter McCarthy and Roddy Iglese interview renowned experts who will answer questions and provide the keys to your better health and better life. Listen for The Wellness Connection live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Hidden Secrets to Health. To reach our show today, call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at christinacole.com. Now back to Hidden Secrets to Health. Welcome back to Hidden Secrets to Health. I'm your host, Christina Cole. And today we have Dr. Christine Burke on the line with us. And we have been talking about how she has integrated functional medicine modality into what was previously a Western practice. And one of the things that I really wanted to talk about was the transition of your practice and what you're seeing since adding in functional medicine. Yeah. So that, that we were talking over the break about how we get so used to seeing these amazing transformations that we start to forget how amazing they really are. And some of the things that we, that we see, well, first of all, one of the things that we ask people in their initial um, intake appointment is when was the last time you felt well? Because that can often give us insight into what set the decline in in motion. Mm -hmm. But when we're working with someone that's had something going on for a long time, they don't expect to be able to feel like they did 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, or like you said, over the break ever, they never have felt good. Right. They've had problems. So it's really fascinating to see people begin to heal from things like that, to not have rashes from eczema anymore, to not need medication for asthma. We, when we work with people on reversing type two diabetes, you know, I used to think it would be impossible to get people off of diabetic meds. It's, you know, once you have it, you have it, and then you have to manage it. But when you do what we do, what you find is that like in our Help Your Diabetes program, we get 70% of our patients off of their diabetic medications with normalized blood sugars. Which is when amazing. You, 
It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And we do it every day. So you start to think, oh, yeah, of course, of course, you're getting off of your diabetes medication until you remember what it was like to not, you know, almost never did that did that happen. And so those transformations just fuel your passion for doing more. You just want to do more and more and more. And we have, um, we implemented a couple of years ago, Dr. Bredesen's uh, recode protocol for reversing dementia. And we were, we've been able to reverse cognitive decline in people, even people who are pretty far along in the process, but people who are earlier on in the process it, it's almost like a miraculous recovery is possible. We've had people who've been able to go back to work who weren't able oh. to organize their day well enough to, to be successful at work or people that weren't able to cook anymore because they couldn't follow a recipe or couldn't remember why they'd taken something out of the refrigerator and, and put it on the table. They're able to organize that again, to think it through, to go to the grocery store without a list and remember, you know, everything but one thing. I think if you can remember everything but one thing at the grocery store, you're doing better than me. (laughs) (laughs) I need a list. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So these transformations from this one way direction of chronic disease into true reversal or at least substantial, amazing benefit and improvement is really, really fun. That's amazing because, um, so for me, part of my healing journey was as uh, my family has a tendency of having type 2 diabetes and and not necessarily from being overweight, but just by having getting insulin resistance, right? Like setting off that trigger. And I was under the impression that eventually I was going to have this. Mm-hmm. And and so I was trying to do a lot of different things to stave off ever having to take medication, right? So I, you know, and once I started learning about functional medicine, I went back and looked at my labs from over a period of time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like on my way. I was going to have type two diabetes. Like it was going to be, you know, like any day they were going to say it was time for me to get on my metformin which was then going to lead to low thyroid and, you know, let's just start the cycle. And I was really, I'm grateful that I learned about functional medicine just because I would be there. I would be that person. I would be the person coming into your office and saying, I'm doing everything right. I'm not eating any gluten, (laughs) right? I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But there's so much more involved with having some type of a chronic disease and, the gift you're giving people when it comes to dementia is amazing because I know people who are going through that process with their parents and how heartbreaking it is to, I think dementia is sort of like the adult version of autism where you see someone and you see them disappearing from you. Right. Right. And what that actually is one of the things that I think touches our hearts the most You know, both of us have personal family experience with Alzheimer's disease in particular. And I think, you know, anyone who's dealing with that with a family member, you know that over time, you start to see like the light of that person fade away from them. Like when you look them in the eye, you don't really connect with the person that they used to be anymore. And we, you know, we accept that as part of the process of, of that disease and part of the process of the, of the damage to the brain. 
But the miracle is, is that we see that light wake back up. And when you see someone go from where, you know, they're, they're present, but they aren't really fully present to looking you in the eye and you know that, that you're connecting with that person that's in there and they have humor again and they have, you know, interact with their family again. It's really powerful. Yeah. It just gave me chills. Just, I know it does me too. And I mean, I do it every day and it still does that to me because it's, it's just, it really does feel like a miracle in Alzheimer's disease and conventional medicine. We literally only have one direction of the path and the medications that we have, although they do help a little, they just raise the bar temporarily, but the person continues to decline at the same rate. It's just from a little bit better vantage point than where they were before the medication. So to be able to accomplish a complete shift in that curve where we're having improvement, improvement in memory, improvement in other cognitive skills like organizing or planning, improvement in social interactions, those that's life-changing for a family, not to mention the cost savings. It's yeah. astronomically expensive when people have to go into assisted care for memory care, like $10,000, $12,000 a month. And mm-hmm. so we can do something with that person and they're, you know, they're willing or their family's willing to help them make those changes in their, in their lifestyle so that we can have improvement that saves the family tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And just, you know, having to make those decisions. And I definitely know people in my life who've had to make that decision when they finally were like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like yeah. the amount of care that I need to, I like, you know, my dad just wandered off or whatever. And it's like, and I hear those stories. Yeah. And so, you know, then you end up where you, you are having to put your family member in a care facility and then you worry, right? You worry about what kind of care they're given. Um, there are unfortunately, you know, stories of abuse that happen in places like that. And your parent can't tell you. Because they don't remember. Right, exactly. And even if they're receiving excellent care, it's still, it's a completely different living environment for them at at the end of their life. It's it's very difficult for everyone involved. And are we not seeing um, Alzheimer's or dementia happening at a younger age now than we used to? I mean, I know for me, my grandmother, when she went out, she had, she was full faculties. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she, you know, like her personality never changed. Yeah. And cool. so that's what we'd all like to have. Right. Like where you just when you when you come to the end of your human experience, you just get to say, you know, peace out. And <laughs> and there you go. But that's not what's happening. Yeah. We spend so much of the later years in in decline and in poor quality of life from the, from the person's experience standpoint, right? Pain and, and different types of suffering. And we, as in functional medicine, we can make such a big difference in that quality of life. And the sooner people start working on those lifestyle changes, the more profound the impacts can be. Like you were talking about identifying your, you know, kind of genetic weak link, if you will. That's what I like to tell people, you know, 
multiple people could have similar exposures or similar experiences, and it could be expressed as different diseases in those people. One person might get an autoimmune disease like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, for example, and another person may end up with diabetes and still, you know, another person might end up with high blood pressure because those are all different ways that our body expresses chronic systemic inflammation. And so, we want it, the earlier we can intervene in those processes, the more impact we can have. Right. And so for, for the 30-year-olds out there that have to start taking high blood pressure medication, yeah. um, what, is, what does that look like for them? You know, just basically from like what's happening with your gut, right? Because if you're yes. taking that, then you probably are having acid reflux or... Mm-hmm. Um, gastritis, right? You're having some kind of a pain down there. So kind of, what does that look like for somebody versus if they started making lifestyle changes? Right. So, I mean, if they just follow the path that they're on, it's probably going to look like, you know, an acid blocking medication and a blood pressure medication. And then a little ways down the road, a higher dose of that blood pressure medication or a second one or a third one and some cholesterol medication because now you have high blood pressure. So your cardiovascular risk is higher. Right. And we just gradually start accumulating more and more medications And if we turn back the other direction and we look for, like you talked about, pulling that piece of yarn and we're looking upstream for those root causes, now we can start to identify, oh, well, I had a lot of antibiotics as a child because we didn't really know any better back Mm -hmm. then. And that changed the health of the bacteria that I have in my gut that I share my body with that have way more impact on my health than we ever realized. That's an exploding area of research. Mm -hmm. And... Focusing on that, how do I create a healthier microbiome? Well, it's it, it's food and it's um, you know probiotics to some extent, but really fermented foods and a great diversity of foods. And there's all these different things that we can do that don't require you know pharmaceutical manipulation right. for us to be able to impact that same thing that we're trying to impact with the drug. Yeah, so I have two C-section babies. So they didn't, and I didn't know, like that they, you know, I didn't know any of that bacteria that they needed to get from me. And so now they're, they're seven and five, and I do have to use different um, supplements to help build up their immune system better, really, because they didn't get that from me. They didn't get that. They were breastfed. So I did that, but you know, I don't know what I was detoxing into them either. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I know guys. the more you dig into this, sometimes it's a little too much information, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do find that, you know, it's like my, you know, I have to work with them for, for to help them build up a good immune system, which, you know, consists of not giving them a lot of, of the three Ps, the prepared, processed, and packaged foods, right? I have to give them a lot of fresh produce and, you know, going to the farmer's market or having a CSA box, um, getting them to have some of these fermented foods, that's a little bit of a challenge. That's challenging for kids. <laughs> yeah, right. And so like figuring out ways to kind of get those different things into their bodies. And sometimes, you know, I'm like putting magnesium in like a little bit of ice cream, right? And then right. getting that getting that in them because they, you know, my son particularly gets constipated and that's not good, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, 
It's challenging. It's challenging because we have the things that get set up without us even realizing it. But there, but there are things that we can do that that help to change that. And we know that one of the biggest things that impacts the gut microbiome is actually the the food that we eat, and not just not just the macronutrient uh, choices, the you know the protein, the fat, and the carbs, but the mm-hmm. variety of different things. You know, we were talking about what's the one thing that you know that I recommend to everyone, and it's mm-hmm. food. And it's not, you know, it's not just any specific diet per se, but it's the, it's the wide variety of color of plants that we know has the biggest impact on health. And then the other things, you know, can shift it here and there, but that's really what's going to have the impact. And we look at food in so many different ways. We're used to looking at food as just energy, right? Calories. Right. And then we're used to looking at food as protein, fats, and carbs, the macronutrients, but we also look at food as connection. What do we do when we're celebrating right. holidays or birthdays or, you know, any big event It always revolves around food. So there's this connectedness around food. And then we need to also think about food as information because all of those different plant colors all carry with them a plant pigment that has a specific impact on our physiology and on our health. It can affect our immune system. It can affect our, you know, our digestion, the digestion of our bacteria, all of the, our cognition, all of these different Mm -hmm. things. And then the concept of food as medicine really stems from that, right? That we can, we can harness the, the things that are in plants and, and even animal foods that, mm-hmm. that provide certain substrates, certain nutrients for the body that have an effect. And then we're using food just like we're using medicine. Yeah, one of the things that I found to be fun and useful is um, showing the kids how certain foods look like certain body parts, <laughs> right? Like a walnut looks like your brain. Yeah. So, so, hey, this is brain food and it looks like a brain, right? So using kind of that kind of stuff. And when you slice, you know, a carrot, it looks like an eye. Right. Right. So like just these little things is it has been a great way of, of sort of engaging them and trying these different foods. The other thing was um, from IFM, I actually have that rainbow grid. You know, that you can can see like what the different colors do and they have little dots. You can check them off. My goal of mine is to get that laminated and put it on the fridge so that each kid has their own and they can kind of go and check off like, oh, I had, you know, I had a beat or. (laughs) Exactly. I've done that many times. Actually, I've had people laminate it and keep it on the fridge. And then, the you know, we work out a reward system for the kid. If they, you know, if they check off every color of the rainbow then, you know, there's, there's some reward that comes with that. Hopefully not a food reward, right? Right, right. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? It's always telling people, um, be really careful about using food as a reward or as a punishment because mm-hmm. we're, we are emotionally attached to food. Right. And, um, you know, you, you will correlate those things as you become an adult. And so if you want to raise a child to become a resilient adult, separating that reward mechanism with a food is really important because emotional eating is a big topic. And I know health coaches that that's all that they do is they just help people with emotional eating. And it's because it's like, I've had a bad day. I'm going to go get a muffin and a, and a coffee, or I just like did something amazing 
I'm going to go get a muffin and a coffee, right? Right, right. (laughs) So either way, you're rewarding yourself with something that isn't healthy versus, um, as an example, when my kids lose a tooth, they get a toy instead of money because I can't afford the inflation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's interesting too, how we so often, you know, most of the time when we're doing food as a reward, we're picking something that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how, how are, how are we framing that as a reward, choosing something that's literally poisoning my body? If you're thinking about it from our upstream right. mechanisms yeah. and that somehow has become a reward instead of choosing something that's nourishing my body or that's creating health in my body. So we've, we've got that all turned around as well. Yeah, we do. When we come back from our break, let's talk about some of the recommendations that you give people on how to sort of implement this into their lifestyles, not just for themselves, but for their family Mm -hmm. and how to get people on board with these changes that you're making, because I think that's really huge. And I, and I know it's a big stumbling block for a lot of people is that they're ready to make a change, but their family is not. So you're, you know, you're in a house full of chips and, and pastries and whatnot. And you're trying to have like, you're trying to be over here juicing your, (laughs) Your kale and your beets together. People are like, Ugh. <laughs> so let's talk about that when we come back from break. Okay. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. your health where you think it should be if you're like most people the answer is probably not where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track the answers start on occupy health each week host dr susan downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider you'll want to plan for your optimal health with occupy health listen fridays at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on voice america health and wellness Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You are listening to Hidden Secrets to Health. 
To reach our show today, call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at christinacole.com. Now back to Hidden Secrets to Health. Welcome back to Hidden Secrets to Health. I'm your host, Christina Cole, and today we have Dr. Christine Burke, and we are having a fabulous conversation about functional medicine, uh, how that's different from from conventional or Western medicine, things that you can do, um, and also things that Dr. Burke sees a lot in her practice and how it's changed and evolved by having this additional modality available to her clients. So before break, we were kind of talking about different things that you can do to incorporate this into your life and how to deal with people that are not necessarily on board. So I know that I know you have the health coaches that help with this, but what kind of recommendations do you give? Yeah, that is such a challenging scenario. And you're right. It is, it is somewhere that we rely very heavily on the health coaches to help people navigate that. Uh, Sometimes if you can get, a family member to be willing to do like a short-term trial of something like they commit to 10 days, for example, will often use a 10 day detox as a, as an entry point because people can feel so much better after they do something like that. And having that personal experience helps them to be able to see that, that, that there is something real and valid to what we're doing and what we're asking their spouse, for example, to do. And mm-hmm. also for them to get a, a, an opportunity to feel what it feels like to feel better. Because most of the time this stuff happens really insidiously over time. And people don't even realize that they feel as poorly that they do as they do. And so when you give them this little window of opportunity to experience things differently, it, it really can be eye-opening. So that could be very helpful. Um, maybe even just having them willing to, you know, is there one thing that you'd be willing to, to give up or fixing the meal? You know, if, it, if the person that we're working with is the primary cook in the family, then just making sure that what they're, what we're equipping them, the recipes or mm-hmm. whatever it may be, is going to be really delicious no matter what, because that's really important. We talked earlier about food being about connection and, and enjoyment, and it's very important that food is something that we can enjoy. It's really sad to me when we have people that have become so ill that they really, they their bodies won't tolerate anything and they've had to remove right. So many things from their from their diet because their body won't tolerate it anymore. That's a huge tragedy, and it's never what we want for anyone. Most people are able to bring most, if not all, foods other than the things that you mentioned before, right? The processed foods and high sugar foods and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But most people, once we've healed their their physiology, we've healed their gut and, and that environment. We worked on some of those other things that we mentioned earlier. We call them the seeds. Sleep, mm. exercise the body, exercise the uh, brain, diet, and then stress management. Once we've worked on those things, most people can get all foods back. There's a percentage of people, like I know you and I, that aren't able to bring all of those things back into our diet because, unfortunately, we were a little too damaged before we saw right. the light. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right? So it's another reason, if, you know, if we can convey that message if we can make smaller changes now, they have a big impact and you don't end up having to do, you know, a, a restrictive eating plan. 
So sometimes some of those things can be helpful. One of the great things that I love about your practice is that you guys have a lot of different events. And one of the events that I always see come up is um, you have a cooking class and it's from somebody who has an organic farm, right? So right. it's like they're introducing maybe vegetables that you don't normally eat or you don't know how to cook. And I think that's a big thing. Like, I, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to make this. And um, so, you know, we, don't, we didn't necessarily grow up with the home cooking that's like that are that the generation prior did yes. right and my mom did do a lot of home cooking but it was a lot of more traditional meals and over time that's evolved mm-hmm. so for other people though they grew up having frozen dinners fast food they have absolutely no idea how to cook things right and they um they don't enjoy it and right. i think partially they don't enjoy it because they don't really know how to do it and they don't know how to put different things together. And it sort of becomes like a fear mm-hmm. thing. Like I'm going to make this, no one's going to like it. Mm-hmm. So you, so that's, I mean, besides the cooking class, I know you guys have a few other things. So why don't you tell us some of the different things that your practices incorporated to help clients through these different steps? Yeah. So the cooking class that you're right is one of, one of the things that we really are very proud of. And one of the great things about it's Karen Gould, the CSA farmer that, that joins us. So she actually has a PhD and then went back and um, tried to figure out how to, how to bring healing foods to people in an accessible way. So everything that she teaches is really simple and really tasty. So anybody can be successful with it. So that's fabulous. Another thing that's been really helpful for people is grocery store tours. Mm -hmm. So taking people with one of our dietitians or our health coach and just going through the grocery store and pointing out the things that they need to be looking for in labels and how to identify, you know, you've got 50 choices. How do I, how do I pick the best one? I don't even know where to begin. And a lot of times people think they're making a healthy choice, which mm-hmm. is why they'll often come in saying, Oh, I eat really healthy. Yes. But when you start dialing it in, right. You find out that, you know, yeah, that smoothie of strawberries and bananas every morning is a lot of sugar. And that's one of your weak links. So it's, it's full of good stuff, but it's not right for you. Right. Yeah. Yes. I, I have done a couple of um, grocery store tours with clients, and it's actually really fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really fun experience. And and the clients have always been like, "This was so great," and that's something that we take for granted because mm-hmm. we've learned this stuff. So, um, for any health coaches out there listening, don't be shy of doing the grocery store tours because they are actually a lot of fun, and your clients get a lot out of it. And that really kind of brings me back to eating the foods that are right for you. So this is something that I see all the time. And that is people get on the fad diets um, or they go to the gym. Like if I go to the gym, if I go do this exercise every morning and I do this fad diet, I'm going to lose this weight that's sort of stuck. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work. Right. Right. So, yeah, oh my gosh, I, we could talk a long time about this topic. Actually, we have had so many athletes come in looking to optimize their health because, you know, we do that too. It's not just all reversing chronic right. disease. 
And they think because they're, you know, out running an hour, an hour and a half a day, and they're burning all of these calories, going back to what we talked about before, with all of the different ways that food impacts us, they're looking only at the calorie expenditure piece. But right. <clears throat> yes, it's true that they can probably eat a lot more cal not probably, but they can eat a lot more calories than someone who's not doing that. But if they're choosing the the wrong types of fuel, if they're eating a lot of sugars or they're, you know, they're capping off their run with, you know, a, a big coffee drink with lots of whipped right. cream and sugar in it, right? They're still developing insulin resistance. And I'll tell you, those are some of the most shocked people when you're going over labs with them and you're and you're telling them, I know that you're thin and you exercise a lot, but you have prediabetes. And they're like, what? That was me. Yeah. How is that possible? <laughs> because food is more than those macronutrients. It's it's all about that information. And if you're set up to develop diabetes, then that food information is turning on what we call the epigenetics, how your mm -hmm. genes actually get expressed and the metabolism that that creates. And so the same is true if we're talking about other fad diets like keto keto diet, for example, that can be very effective as a means to an end. As a lifestyle, it doesn't really provide us with all of the things that we need because it so restricts the carbohydrate intake, it restricts the amount of vegetables that we can bring right. in. And so now we're, now we're limiting that phytonutrient spectrum that we can get in. So good as a therapeutic plan, not probably is something that we want to have as our long-term eating plan. And that's how we like to look at it is developing an eating plan that's right for that person's physiology and not a diet because diets are something that you do for a period of time to accomplish something. And then you go back to probably eating how you yes. ate before, which is why there's so much of the yo-yoing. And so, Absolutely. We, right. So we really want to help people change the way they look at food change what they enjoy from food because in the end if what you need is what you crave it's not about willpower anymore if you have to if every day has to be a battle of willpower it'll never be successful you have to create a food plan that is your you look at it and it makes your mouth water because that's what you're going to want to eat and that's what you're going to want to turn to and then you're fueling your body the way that it needs to be fueled Right. When you're at that point, that's when you've made that transition. So true. So, so for, for our listeners, how do they find you? <laughs> <laughs> so we're, our office is located in El Dorado Hills, California, and uh, we're at the True Health Center for Functional Medicine, as you mentioned. And that's our website. Uh, URL is truehealthcfm.com. And if they're looking for a functional medicine practitioner in their area, mm -hmm. they can go to the Institute for Functional Medicine, has a find a practitioner uh, division of the website. And so you can search out functional medicine practitioners from all different disciplines. So you may be looking for a medical doctor, you may be looking for a, an osteopathic doctor or a chiropractor or a nutritionist. Um, they also have um, health coaches. So all these different practitioners can be located through that system. That's a great way to find people that have had a really high level of functional medicine training, particularly if they've been certified in functional yeah. medicine. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Burke. I mean, you're just, you know, we could talk for hours because your information is is uh, so valuable and your passion is so great that um, 
I hope so many people listen to this message and find the message of functional medicine. So thanks for everything you do. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here and have the opportunity to share this and reach as many people as we can. Absolutely. Until next time, this has been the Hidden Secrets to Health. Thank you for tuning in to Hidden Secrets to Health. Please join host Christina Cole for another edition of the show next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week, keep an eye on your good health.